Hey everyone, it's Naomi Sneakers and welcome to the firecracker department. Hey Naomi, your voice sounds weird. Oh yeah, does it? It's because it's 5.30 in the morning and I'm sitting in my car doing this intro and that's what you do. That's what you do when you've run out of time the night before to do your intro and you are so determined not to be late with a firecracker episode and so determined not to be late with a firecracker episode. That's what you do. So sure, people are walking by and thinking, who's that lady talking to herself in the car? And then some other people are thinking, oh, there's another lady talking to herself in the car. And then some people are not even noticing. So, you know, it's the people in the neighborhood. This week has been, uh, it's been busy and something happened that inspired me. And that is my Aunt Mari, Auntie Mari, she turned 70 this year. And uh, I adore this woman. She's such an inspiration. As a kid, she had some sort of like magical glow about her. You know, she was the kind of person that just told you you could do anything. And uh, because she was my mom's sister, she also reminded me of my mom. She was like mom 2.0, like a different version of my mother. But I would go to, um, she lives in England, and I would go to England and uh, she she would let me work on her newspaper. She owned and ran this newspaper with her husband Tony and her um, brother Richard and she would just go, okay, today you're going to go on the switchboard. Bye! And I'd have to learn how to use a switchboard. And then the next day she'd be like, okay, you're going to work in car sales today. Bye. And I'd have to learn that. And I was a teenager. I was figuring it out every day. But there was something about somebody else believing in you and believing the fact that you could do it that made she go, oh, I can do this. It was amazing. And then she'd, and she gave me money to do it too, which was also unheard of as a child. <laughs> I wasn't a child. It wasn't child labor. But it was uh, unusual for me to just have money for anything. Like, you know, as a kid, give a kid $100 and you feel like the richest person in the world. So that's one trip she would do. And then I'd go back in following years. One time I did theater school in Guildford, England. And she'd be like, well, why don't you, I'm away. So why don't you just take my car and then you can tootle around and come and visit on weekends. So she just gave me her car. I had to learn how to drive standard on the wrong side of the road. And she gave, she even gave me, like, she hid money to buy petrol. And, you know, she just had such confidence in me. It made me be confident in myself and made me think, oh, I can just do anything. She also made me godmother of her son, which, as a 12-year-old, that was the best thing in the world. She'd let me carry her son in a Snuggie and walk around town and it was the best. Like, she trusted me with her son. She just trusted me. I just adore her. She's funny, and she's smart, and she's generous. And she's the kind of woman that if she sees somebody struggling, she'll just take, like, a 20-pound note and slip it into their pocket and not say anything. She's that kind of person. She's got a little magic around her. She'll send me gifts. She'll always say, turn this card towards the window, and it'll bring you good luck. Isn't that lovely? And... I did, and I think it worked. She's one of my favorite people in the whole world. And I'm sure you have an Auntie Mari out there who's a little bit magic. So share this with them. 
and tell me their story. I would love to hear like what kind of magic is out in the world based on the Auntie Maris of our lives. So happy birthday, Auntie Mari. I'm such a huge fan of yours and I'm so, so grateful that you're in my life and in the world and there should be more, more Auntie Maris in the world. Go out and do something Auntie Mari-ish today. That's what I say. We have a great guest today. We always have great guests. Today we are talking with Mary Pat Farrell. Now, Mary Pat and I met through Second City ages and ages ago, but I've always sort of admired her. She was one of the first people I knew that um, lived in Los Angeles and just admired the work that she did. She's also a musician, and I admired that. And uh, I think she's just such a lovely persona. She was on the Gavin Crawford show when she was in Canada and funny as hell. And so now that I'm in Los Angeles, we've been able to become friends and hang out a little bit. So that's been a treat for me. And she agreed to do this firecracker department interview with me. And I think you'll love it. She's a smarty pants and she's funny as hell. And uh, I really love talking with her. Here she is, Mary Pat Farrell. You just think you're going to miss the one opportunity that you shouldn't have missed if you, you know, go about the business. I know. Why do we do that though? It's so much pressure. And then we, and then you go away and you have a great time, but you're always like, should I get back? Is it going to be okay? It's so much pressure. Yeah. And because often just the way it works for me and almost every single other person I know is you do get calls the second you leave. Yeah. 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 And then that. And that makes you think, I can't ever leave. But but then you just buy insurance on your flights and go, I might have to get back faster than I thought. Yeah. I've never used that insurance. I don't understand how it works. I've bought it before, but whenever I read the fine print, it's always like, <clears throat> you have to have a note from someone like doctor or whatever. And I'm always like, ah, oh, fuck it. I'll yeah. And here's the, the thing. $200. You also have to, yeah, pay $200 <clears throat> anyway. Yeah. So <laughs> it actually just pay the $200, as you said. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it is a weird business, but I also think it's like one of those things for me with, with the pace of our, our business is that it's up to us. Like it's up to me as fast as I want to go or not want to go. And if I can just let things go, then I'm better off for it. I totally agree with you. Uh, you know, you, I feel like again and again, you have to do what makes sense for your life. Yeah. Um, yes. First. When do we learn that though? Like, I mean, and you still call it into question. Even once I, once you'd be like, well, I found that you have to do what's good for your life. I will still (laughs) literally struggle with that every day. Be like, look, life, your life is more important than this thing that you're pursuing. Yeah. I have the instinct of like, but I want to do it all. I want to have a really important life, but I also want to do that thing because it's important to me. It's like, you know, that's, we don't, we didn't do these careers because they were like trite like we you know what I mean like we love what we get to do right? yes so of course it's not um our comedy is a trite comedy our comedy is important comedy it's so important yeah yeah um but it, you know what is true like you you can't just not concentrate on your career it does take a lot of focus and determination yeah and, and you you do have to put that kind of energy into it but if it's, you know, I don't know, I, I haven't figured it out really even now. It's just that I know my happiness is important and to the best of my ability, I want to pursue everything I can career-wise. But 
I can't sacrifice everything for it. Has there ever been? And a time? I never have. Yeah, no, I, was I never say. have. I've never been. I mean, I think I've been ambitious, and I've always kept doing it. I've always kept wanting to do it. And but then sometimes I'll, I'll be like, you, what's wrong with you? You're not pursuing it with the vigor and the drive you need to. You're not, you know, making the sacrifices you should. You're not, you know, doing everything that you should to make it. No wonder you have a sort of flat. Of a very flat or slow incline of your career because you haven't tried hard enough. Like, that's the mean. Oh my God, that's, that's the harsh. mean. Who is that I, person? She is she's terrible. Not, she's not a friend of mine. No, I don't. No. She's not a friend of mine. You might either. want to kick her out if she's living with you. I think, uh, yeah, that's, that's good advice. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't happen as much as it used to in terms of that kind of chastising myself for yeah. not having more of a career. But I don't know. There's just that's. There's a terrible part of me who thinks um, I haven't done the right things, and that's that's why. But what would you do differently? Well, well, that's a great question. Because <laughs> um, sometimes I like I go, oh, I gotta work harder. But then I'm like, what more? And what would you? You said like I, I haven't made the sacrifices I thought I should make. But what would you do differently? I don't know. I mean, I'll tell you this: I do chastise myself. For not writing more. Right. And then I also counter my own self with like, fuck you. Um, <laughs> oh my God, you guys have heated debates. Uh, it's hey? so busy in my head. Um, and which is to say, I have written some, but I also haven't been that motivated as a writer. I haven't yeah. been burning with stories to tell and burning to to do it. And I've, I've told myself like, look, there's people who really are great writers and and are very motivated to write and that's fantastic for them but you don't have to um, make yourself into a writer if that is not what your impulse no. is it's sort of letting yourself off the hook a little bit because yes. we're supposed to write right we're supposed to be like create what yes. you create you better create some content right mm -hmm. but at the same time like I don't love writing either but I like producing right I do like producing so I'll do that yeah and then I'll fake write with improv <laughs> so I'll improvise and then transcribe the right. document or whatever yeah so yeah, that's how that's, I do a lot of our sketches uh, and and that's that's fantastic and that's such a you know a gift I think that we have as improvisers yeah is you can write just using improv yeah then. so did you ever write did you ever um I, uh, <laughs> I've got so much baggage with that, even that question. Uh, yes, I have written, I would say. Um, I certainly, you know, wrote at Second City. Yeah, of course. And I wrote, uh, I worked on some web series with some friends and some sketches, and I wrote a musical with two of my friends out here. Oh my God, you're a writer. So I have written, um, and I'm a songwriter. Yeah. Uh, but I... I'm just not the person. I've never like written a spec script and and pursued uh, a life as a writer. Right. I did it. Some, I did write some packets uh, while I was out here, you know, uh, for Mad TV and some late night shows sure. and stuff like that. So I can I can write, <laughs> but boy, do I have a lot of it's resistance. not it's not as much fun as like improvising or performing like with your band. Yeah, it, it isn't as much fun for me and. Um, I've definitely had different periods in my career where I've just been like, 
more things I love, less things I don't love. Yeah. As a very general philosophy. Yeah. And how did that work out? Great. Yeah. So <laughs> why do we put ourselves in this like, oh, why don't you write more? Like maybe you're a writer this way as opposed to this way. Like yes. I said, I have some friends that are such dedicated writers. They get up in the morning, they write. Mm-hmm. That's not the kind of writer I am. No, me either. I admire that very much. And the thing is, that's what they're motivated to do. Yeah. So hopefully that's you know, bringing them joy and satisfaction. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's not me. So who do you think, like, where do you think that voice came from of like, you should be writing more? Um, cause it's our own. Yeah. I think it came, gosh, it, it's not like my mother or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It just came, I think from, from the business. I, I think it came from, you know, we're grasping to figure out the hows and whys of this career. Mm -hmm. We're grasping for control because pretty much a lot of it's outside of our control. So I think in frustrating moments when you're grasping for control, you'll be like, ah, I was told that I should write and I should be creating roles for myself, or otherwise I'm gonna get into trouble and no one's gonna give me roles, and I didn't do that. Right. I think it just came from, from wanting to think I have control, so then, then pointing out where I went wrong, because uh, you know, imagining that I did actually have control the whole time, and I just fucked it up. Hmm, that's really interesting. That's really interesting, because <laughs> I think it is, um, I do, I think everybody in our industry struggles with um, gaining control, right? Yes. Because we have so little of it. Yeah. So that if I have to wait for <clears throat> an audition and then somebody else to give me a part, what am I going to do while I'm waiting? Yeah. I better cr create or I better be in a band. Like you're, that's your version of it too, right? Like, yeah. And I think that's the, when I look back now, I realize that is my version of it. Mm -hmm. the, that, t the answer to that question, what are you going to do while you're waiting, um, for me has been, I'm going to make music. Yeah. And I'm, I feel so lucky to even get to say that and lucky that I, uh, you know, ran into the people I ran into oh out God. here and who were actually improvisers and met at, at Improv Olympic yeah. or IO. And, um, and it just took my life in this wonderful direction for me. Yeah. And it's been a great balance to the craziness of the acting career. I, bet, I have, want to talk to you about your music career because I had no idea. Yeah, enjoy that almond. I've got to shake it. I've got to shake it. Um, uh, I had no idea what a powerhouse musician you were. <gasps> Holy crap. Like I knew everybody was like, oh, you should go hear Mary Pat's band. Aww. And I was like, oh, I'd love to. So, but I had no idea what like a rock star you were. That's so you, nice. Like you have this whole persona on stage that is... Like I was telling Matt this morning, I'm like, she rocks. Like she's, <laughs> she rocks hard on it. And he was like, really? Like I, knowing you as a comedian, it's such a different persona. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And um, that band, the Mighty Regis. So the Mighty Regis. Yeah. That, but that's no longer. It's no longer. But they were killers. Like you guys must have been. It was so kick-ass. Yeah. I can't even. I can barely fathom that I did it. Yeah. And um, but we started out with with 
actual onstage personas because yeah. it was a fake Irish band. I love it. You guys had fake accents. Yeah. You, you had a fake, weren't your, wasn't your name like Ryan or something? Ryan O'Neill. I love it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And we did eventually abandon some of that weird origin story and the fake accents and stuff the, the busier we got because it was just embarrassing. It became like slightly embarrassing to talk to people who actually were Irish? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Because my is like, oh, yeah. where's your granny from? Yeah. It's like, oh, I don't know. She all lives your by imp- the river. <laughs> all um, grannies live by the river. Yeah. Um, and and then just we just had to let go of it after a while because it it was it was sort of making us feel inauthentic. Mm-hmm. But it was it was a great way to start out. Because and I wasn't in the band when it first started, but it it came out of a sketch that some friends of mine did where they had a fake Irish band, and then they had so much fun doing it, they decided to start doing some shows as yeah. this band. Yeah. And eventually, um, through a number of circumstances, I was invited to to join. And my character Ryan O'Neill, she was just tough as nails. Oh my God! Did, were you always in the kilt? Do you always do that uh, your thing? No, I mean it did. It did become my thing. Like I, I just it. found it the um, these like kind of uh, little uh, what is it called tartan caps yeah. and that yeah. yeah that's what I wore. They were it was a skort. Okay. <laughs> just so you know, which was I great. I love a good skort. So then I, I could like kick my legs up and 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 not worry about um, you know flashing my panties. Sure, yeah. And we had a great time, and we got to go on warp tour. In 2010, and I was already <laughs> old compared to the kids on Warp Tour. And it's so funny, it's so hot, it's the summer, you have to pass out a million fucking flyers to get people right. to come to your stage. Yes. So I'd be out there with my long sleeve sun shirt and my sun hat, <laughs> passing out flyers like, hey, come see the Mighty Regis. I'm sure people thought I was someone's mom, yeah. like shilling for her son's yeah. band. Yeah. But no, it was just me. And it was. It was extremely freeing on stage yeah. to be that aggressive and just balls out. I don't know. I thoroughly like, enjoyed like, it. Do you have that on stage? This is the this is because your characters that you play, and your resume is crazy long with all of your characters. But you play a lot of like teetotalers Absolutely. or like suburban moms, and yeah. like the diversity in those two worlds kind of blows my mind a bit. Yeah, it's what, kind of... Tell me about where that lands. Yeah, that that's interesting. I... I don't know what it is. I, I, I'm not called upon to use that energy in my acting. And I don't know what that is. Yeah. For, I, I haven't actually examined it that much, but I can say that's not the energy uh, that has been required of me. Right. You know, was there a time like in your career where you found? Because I'm sure at Second City, you did play that character at some point. Maybe not. Not much. I mean, no. I I am I'm just definitely have played a, a lot of low status, passive aggressive, right? Maybe shy, retiring, maybe sometimes a little aggressive, yeah. but more passive aggressive characters, um, and. I think Jerry Hall and I, we did one sketch where we were fighting our way to the top of our office jobs, like literally fighting. Yeah, great. Um, and I think, so there was, I played a more aggressive character there, but yeah, I just, it's not my go-to energy. Yeah, it's really, but it, on stage, it, you own it. And like it, there's and not even, a, there's not a smidge and be like, oh, she's faking it. I'm just like, oh no, that's. 
that's who she is on that stage. Yeah. And I don't want to say it was all just fueled by whiskey. Because that would be... <laughs> but I get it. Whiskey can fuel. Not to say you should do that before an audition. No. No, that's a whole other... That's a whole other career. Um, but now, so with uh, Mighty Regis, you now have branched into a new group called um, Tiny Glad. Tiny, Tiny Glad, Right, yeah. but that's a whole other um, genre of music too, right? It is. This yeah. is just, it's two of the two of my bandmates from the Mighty Regis, uh, Ben Wise and Brett Pearsons. And now it's just, it's like a folk trio. Yeah. It's all acoustic. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it's just a, for me, it's it's a it's my kind of artistic home. Yeah. They're so accepting of me artistically, and and we just explore making music together, yeah, and writing songs together, and um, our individual voices, and kind of our what our collective voice is as well. And it's yeah, just, I really like it. Your harmonies are killer. That's so nice of you. Thank you. Yeah. We uh, we are always working on them. You know, trying to make them. Trying to make them good. Yeah. Well, I don't know anything. I know when a harmony's off, and you guys were not that. So, um, where did your music passion come from? <clears throat> um, I just I grew up loving music. I guess I we had a very musical household in terms of um, people playing recorded music like mm -hmm. records and yeah oh my god that sounds like <laughs> the victrola that's right um, you wind up the victrola and everybody would gather around um i just loved music and especially the that music that i grew up to music of the 60s and the 70s um i thought it it just spoke to me more than anything yeah. else it, who are it, your faves it put oh joni mitchell yeah. cat stevens love it um just people that put voice to my interior life in a way I, nothing else did. Yeah. It's so funny because I just, I'm obsessed a little bit with, um, and I'm forgetting her name, but that's okay because I'm human, but it's the woman who did the <clears throat> musical Beautiful. Um, Carol King. Carol King. So I've just started li like listening to her, which is weird because I kind of see a similarity with you two from your um, single album. That oh. you released. Like you have a very similar, like poetic. Oh, that's. I'm, was she one of your inspirations? Definitely. Yeah. I listened to her album Tapestry again and again yeah. and again. She was definitely a huge influence on me. I mean, she's just an amazing songwriter. Yeah. But she, passionate, too, right? Yeah. You see her perform and she's not like just plunking it out. Yeah. Yeah, very passionate. Yeah. And I was always attracted to it and I. I. Always, I mean, I loved it. I always wanted to play music, and I did play music even in, in Toronto. And um, but always just as a secondary kind of pursuit. Yeah. Like, why didn't you make it your primary? I mean, because I think I just thought it was even more impossible. <laughs> more impossible. And acting is than difficult. Acting. Right. And I was like, that's crazy. So you took the easy way. <laughs> <laughs> acting was my fallback. That's right. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I never thought I could be an actor either. When I was growing up, I it did not seem like a job that someone like me would have. And I I don't know if it's just the community I grew up in, a very, you know, small town in Vermont. I didn't know anyone that had ever pursued that kind yeah. of career. Yeah. Cuz you kind of need to know somebody who did it before you, yeah. right? Which I think this is sort of 
um, one of the things about this podcast that people will hear, oh, somebody did that? Oh, that means I can do it. Exactly. But in Vermont, yeah, you could you probably knew that you could ski. Exactly. <laughs> That's all I know about Vermont. And I was pretty good skier, <laughs> but I wasn't the tippy toppest. Right. Um, yeah, so it just didn't, didn't occur to me right. that I could do it. Even though I did community theater and I saw theater and, and, and it was definitely a part of my life and my older sisters, I'd seen them do theater in high school yeah. and stuff like that. But in terms of a career, uh, no. And it wasn't until I... I had gotten, I had gone to college for two years at like this environmental studies, forestry, agriculture college, which I loved. Where did you do that? Sterling College, it's called. Wow. And, That's um, such a diversion from anything. That was where I was at. That's though. where you I started. I was really into okay. environmental studies and I thought I wanted to be a marine biologist. Okay. And, that's definitely the direction I was going. I was all mother earthy about it. Yeah. And um, after that two year college, and I don't know when I was applying to you know finish my degree, get a B, get a BS, as it turns out, I got into my state school, University of Vermont, and, and then another college in California that I wanted to go to, Berkeley. As it turns out, Berkeley was ridiculously expensive right? even then. I don't know how yeah. kids handle it these days. Yeah. But even then, it was like, oh. They start in debt. Like, when you start your career, you're like, and now you're in debt. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just terrible. Mm -hmm. So, when I decided that I, I had to just go to my state school, I had an attitude about it. And I was like, eh. I didn't want to do it. But the gift of the situation for me was, I was like, um, well, if I have to go there, I'm going to study whatever I want. Right. And that's when I started to take voice lessons and study theater and take scene study. And Interesting. It was like, it took me this weird, you know, it took me the allowance somehow to let myself do it. Like, I had to do it as rebellious yeah. that was not coming from my family. They were not telling me what I could or couldn't yeah. do. I was the youngest of seven kids. They're just like, stay alive. <laughs> <laughs> Police. Oh, my God. You're the baby of seven children. I am. So, and they were never like, we don't want you to do acting. We want you just to stay alive. <laughs> I never said that. Yeah. <laughs> and I, Good they, goals. Good I goals. know they were just... They were worried about me when I started to pursue it more yeah. just because they didn't want me to have a hard time. Yeah, of they course. They didn't want me to be disappointed. Of course. Um, Nobody goes into acting because it's easy, an easy street, right? I mean, I if they do, they're fucking crazy. <laughs> right? <laughs> they're nuts. I had a, a guy on at the border um, tell me when he found out he was an actor, he was like, well, how's that going to work? <laughs> and I was like, well, can I get some support from you at least? I gosh, why... Even you. Um, so, but you chose that route, and did you ever look back? Were you ever like, oh, no, I've made a mistake? Or um, No, I wouldn't say I ever looked back, but I would also say I was never looking very far forward. What does that mean? I was always just like, I'm going to take these voice lessons. Right. I'm going to take the scene study class. Uh, I'm going to do this summer program. Mm, I guess I'll do an internship at this theater in Michigan. Like, I was always just incrementally doing the next thing I felt like doing without ever making a declaration. Right. You know, like I call yourself an actor. Yeah. Uh -uh. Right. It took me forever to call yeah. myself an actor. Like I thought some heat was going to come down right. on me, you know, <laughs> like the creative police are going to be not you. How dare you get out of there. <laughs> um, very trepidatious. This. It's, it's not a career you can pursue lightly, right? It's not something 
like you, you've done very well for somebody that's only thinking to the next job, then, <laughs> you know, because yeah. like even at Second City, like how did that go from taking voice lessons and not thinking ahead to doing Second City? Was that the step or was there something? Between? Yeah, I just leapt right to Second City. Did you No, really? no, no, no. Oh. It was, it, it was funny. My, my journey has just been so incremental. Moved to Toronto. Um, Why Toronto? I had a boyfriend <laughs> really my first true love yeah. in Toronto um, and he had a very amazing family we'd been friends since we were kids and uh, still friends with him and his family and so I moved to Toronto and I got to I lived with the Lankstead family for wow. the first two years in Mississauga How they just um, let's see I was out of college and I'd done an internship so I'm going to say I was roughly 25. Yeah. So I, I could figure it out precisely. But little enough to but figure, figure yeah. the world out. You were in Yeah. Like a, Maybe it was 23, 23, 24, 25, somewhere okay. in there. It's all a haze. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I get there. I have a job uh, thanks to uh, the graces of, uh, good graces of John Maxwell at Allen's. Who I worked for for many years. What was Allen's? Allen's is a restaurant on the Danforth. Still, yes, Allen's. Allen's on the Danforth. That's probably where you got your um, Celtic vibe for. I think John Maxwell was one of the first people that reminded me that I was Irish, (laughs) because like he was like you know, can and Canadians are a lot more into what their sort of cultural identity is. Yeah, much more than in the states. I knew I was Irish and. I thought about it, but not to the degree that I did once I moved to Canada. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so you're working at Allen's. So I'm working at Allen's. I'm, I go to the new school of drama because I want to keep pursuing uh, my acting. Yeah. And did I get an agent? I must have had some kind of an agent because I was going on some auditions. That's amazing. And they were asking me to improvise. And I was like, what? <laughs> No, no, I don't do that. Right. I uh, no, and um, I was like, okay, I have to learn how to improvise, right? Just for just to help my acting, um, and um, Terry Lang said, like, well, you got to go to Second City. It is the only, you know, a. I think it was the only game in town. (laughs) It was literally the only game in town. But he's like, it's also the best. So I started to take improv, and then. Do you remember who your teachers were then? Oh, yes, I do. Audrey Webb was my teacher right. for level one, and I loved her so much. Right. And then I think it was only level one, and then I had Alan Gutman, who is just a god. Wow. Um, and then later on, I, I like went through all six levels, and then there was six plus and six S and six V. There's so many different levels right. that you could keep doing <laughs> right. if you wanted to, and I did. Yeah. Rob Nickerson and Deb Kimmett. A lot of people just came in and taught workshops. Loved it. Fell in love with it. Auditioned four or five times. Wow. For Torco. See, that doesn't seem like a, a gal who's just doing one thing after another. Maybe not. At that point, like maybe did you have a little bit more of a vision? Well, I think I thought Second City as a way, I saw that it, there was a path there. Yeah. And I think that's been a problem all along in the, in the business. You, you don't know what yeah. steps to take. But I did see there was something to follow at Second City. Yeah. But after, you know, four, four auditions, I'll try to make this short. After about four auditions, I was like, hey, they... They clearly love me. They think I'm a great improviser. They will never hire me. Right. They just like to have me at the auditions. 
because I ground out the scenes. Right. And I look, I make the other improvisers look good. Right. Maybe I don't know why. I, Which are two qualities that actually are really vital <laughs> in any improv scene. So. But I just thought like I'm not the I'm not Second City material probably because I'm not funny, and oh. I think this is always it's always been a a thing with me. Like I just don't think I'm funny. I've come to appreciate the ways in which I am funny. Right. Um, but it's taken a long time. That's an interesting thing for a comedian to have on their shoulders, right? Because you've built a life on being funny. Yeah. Like, if you look at your resume, it's all stuff saying you're funny. I know. It is. And yet, you're... Like, where do you think that... um, I don't even know what it's called, but where do you think that comes from? Is it being the youngest of seven? Is that, like... Um, Maybe... I, I don't know where where it comes from, really. Because it's been proven that you are. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like been when you audition for something. Proven. Like what did you just? You, I mean, you were in curb curb your enthusiasm. So when you audition for something like that, the number of people that wanted that role that <laughs> went to you makes me think. No, you're funny. You're you got some some yeah. of the goods, right? Yes, and of and, and and of course, I now I I can objectively admit that I'm funny. Yeah, it can. It feels hard to do that, which is ridiculous. That's just probably false modesty or something. I don't know. I know that I am funny, but when I'm in a room of funny people or people that I know can can like turn it and yeah. just be funny. Uh, on a dime, yeah, and that, that that are I think more skilled at making a comedic moment happen. Whereas I feel like, for me, they happen in spite of myself, right? Um, and, and I think this is probably all just crap in my head, yeah, r- really, yeah. Um, uh, as it turns out, I found out later, my family thought I was funny all along. <laughs> They just hid it from you the whole time. <laughs> but like once I was at Second City and um um and and working as a comedian, people would go, Oh, you were you've always been so funny. You were so funny even as a kid. And I was like, What? <laughs> Where have you been? Why did no one tell me? <laughs> um Was that like like cause I think that's important to recognize like the cheerleaders along the way too, like um the folks like your teachers that you said were, were really amazing. But like yeah. who were the cheerleaders for you that were like, No, you keep going? Um Well, I'll tell you this story, which was around nineteen ninety five, ninety six, whatever. I've been in Toronto for maybe six years or something. Had a bunch of a good experience, done some plays, and I'd taken, gone through all the Second City classes and performed, you know, at the Red Lion or somewhere, right. done, done some shows. Great. But I'm stymied. I, I can't see what's next. I'm reading in the paper every day about this company, Starbucks, that's coming to Canada. <laughs> and I'm like, what am I, maybe I should do, maybe I should do that. Maybe I should, like, take a turn here and just get, get a career where I will I'll have some security and stuff like that. I, I, at the same time, I do like this career counseling thing okay. where you know make diaries and charts and dream journals and yeah. all this stuff. Those people were like, well, it pretty much seems like you should be doing what you're doing in terms of pursuing right. your creative life. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. But it didn't seem practical to me, right. so I applied to Starbucks. I'm like, this is gonna be my thing. 
I'm going to work in a store, and then I'll be manager, and then I'll be a regional manager probably pretty soon right. because I'm, I'll be good at it. I get hired. I'm in coffee college where you had to go okay, for, it was going to be two weeks, um, about Everybody's three Everybody's like days hopped in. up on caffeine yeah. the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> we're tasting coffees, we're looking at beans, and about three or four days into that, I finally get a call from Second City saying, we want you to come uh, understudy the Torco. Wow. And that, you know, that was an amazing thing. Yeah. It was, it pulled me back in and I haven't left since then. Yeah. And it was Colin Mockery had taken over and I don't know, I just, I give him all the credit to this day. I, I just think he really gave me a break. He saw something in, in me and he brought me to that stage and I'm, I'll be forever grateful. Yeah. I love those tipping moments though. Yeah. Because I love... A, that like, even though like your family was like, you're funny, and Second City was like, no, we like you. We just don't know a place for you. Yeah. And you were getting auditions and stuff, but like, well, I'm still going to go work with Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. like, like that we don't recognize the signs until it's like smacks you in the face. Yeah. So then when you started at Second City, you were like, I'm not, that's it. I'm in this for forever now. Um, <laughs> I mean... Because Second City is not an easy path, necessarily. Mm. No. And in fact, but I was like, I'm in, I'm going to follow this wherever it takes right. me. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I wouldn't have considered quitting. But as it turns out, a couple years into, into my Torco experience, which was amazing, and I worked with great people, and we went through a few different directors and casts and everything... And um, had the opportunity to start writing. We, um, Chris Ward and I, had got a scene into our Torco show. Yeah. It was very exciting. Um, it was a, it was a chaotic time at Second City. And after one tour, my whole touring company got fired. Which Flat they've done fired. a billion times. Yeah. yeah, it was like cleaned house, except for yeah. Doug Morenci. He didn't get fired. He got brought up to main stage. And I thought, well, okay, that's it. Um, that happened now. So I don't know what I don't know what the next thing will be, but I know that that's the end of my second city career. Right. Um, and then I think three or four months later, I got a call and was invited to come audition for main stage. I don't know how it was all working at the time. Uh, but I did, I auditioned, I brought in some stuff, three characters, I think, then was invited back to do the set. Then in another big chaotic moment, they fired the whole main stage cast. Some people were moving on. Some people got fired. Doug once again stayed kingpin. Right. And then they moved in, um, you know, uh, five new people. It was, it was tough times, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but for me and my journey i was thrilled sure. uh, to finally ha- have it had made that stage yeah what did that mean to you for your like not necessarily your career but your your makeup like i felt enormously proud yeah. and i felt um i felt included i felt good enough yeah i felt chosen i mean i felt so many great things um and I felt ready. I felt like a lot of really yeah. hard work had paid off. 
I felt like, you know, the tortoise and the hare. It was, and I do often feel like that in my career. So it's like, look, just keep going right. at your own pace. Yeah. Because you just don't know. And, and truly, all you can do is go at your own pace. Yeah. And don't be distracted by other people's pace. Oh my gosh. Because that's, that's just so hard. heartache. It's so hard not to, though. I know. Right? Like, it is really hard not to. But it's such, that's such a, tru a truth. Like, if we can just recognize our pace, our personality, our body shape, what <sighs> we are, and then stop trying to be something we're not. Yes. Like, how, how to honor ourselves and exactly who we are. I mean... And I'm sure people told us that from the very beginning. Just be yourself. Just right. be yourself. Like, I don't know who I am. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I went, I've gone into so many rooms um, nice. Because I am a nice person. Yeah. And I'm, I like being a kind, nice person. But that's not a good way to make an impression on a casting director by being nice and polite and 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 you know timely and like it's not a manners competition <laughs> let's give her the role because she was on time yeah, yeah exactly yeah. like i mean it is important to be on time but uh, it's taken me so long to learn to just uh honor my instincts and honor my choices and um and be true to them in the room well what does that look moments. like in comparison to the the nice version well, I feel like the nice version involves a lot of second-guessing what I think they want. Sometimes it's involved coaching. I'm not against coaching. I think coaching can be very valuable, audition coaching. But for me, sometimes the coaching would be like making the coach's instincts work as opposed right. to actually learning and honing my own comedic instincts, yep. which are the only instincts that are going to work for me yep. ultimately. Um, I love that. You know, not mimicking the idea of even a great coach's idea of what the scene is about. Like truly f finding it in my body yeah. and what it's about for me. Yeah. And then just putting that out in the room. I just feel like that's your best shot. That's not always possible. And I did just recently book something where I, <laughs> it was so weird. I did not feel it in the room. And I was yeah. like, ugh, that did not feel good. I was distracted and I, I wasn't. I didn't feel it. Yeah. And um, I still booked the booked the job. Yeah. I had the same experience on the set. What was the show? At the end of the... Can you say it? I can, but I'm sort of embarrassed okay, because I'm scared I did bad work. Oh, like, I, like There's just a fear that I have. And so I don't want Don't wanna... we always feel that, though? N no. Right. I don't. Oh, I don't think I always feel it. So, like, I don't know why. Why am I scared to say that? I should, probably should just say it then. It's a show called Get Shorty. It okay. hasn't come on yet. Great. So, but you the, said you had the same feeling in the room that you did on set. Yeah, on set, I didn't have the feeling that I nailed it. The feedback I was getting was that it was good, and I was doing what they wanted me to do, and I made the adjustments they asked me to make. But there was something about about it that I didn't connect to. Mm -hmm. So then I tried to just remind myself, look, it's not always about your what's going on internally. Sometimes the external, they are in fact getting what they need. You're doing what you need to do. You're delivering mm -hmm. your goods mm -hmm. in, in, a, in a powerful way. And you've got to trust but that it's, it's that happening. Our instincts are like, I, I, you, you ain't seen nothing yet. Like that kind of feeling, because I know that feeling of like, performing either live or on camera and somebody going oh my god that was fantastic and I'm like you think that was fantastic that's great because you've got what you need yeah but I can do so much more yeah like 
my that's my instincts yeah i mean that which is fine like that's i think like as long as they get what they want you know there's a level that is i think that's professional satisfaction yeah and then the next time there you know what i mean they're like oh look at this so i mean it's such a tough question because sometimes they don't want the so much more uh, right. Yes. Right. That Sometimes they want they even want. less than right. Yeah. You're right. And 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 I think we are often left with a feeling of like, I'm so happy and grateful to come in and do these roles, and much of my work is one day at a time. Yeah. Um. But. They, I have so much more to offer. Yeah. And I don't even know how to offer it. Because it's not uh, That's so interesting. Uh, I don't know where to put it, yeah. and I do put it into my music. That that so I have somewhere to put it, and and people find where, places to put it basically, yeah. or they write they write the parts for themselves that that really showcase the things that they want to put out there. Yeah, which is fantastic. But I've had plenty of days where I've been like, you know, I feel I always want to say I'm grateful for the work. I always do because sure. I always am. Of course. But I've had days where I feel like about as valuable to the scene as the cushions on the couch. Right. They might spend more time adjusting the cushions <laughs> on the couch than they do adjusting what I'm right. doing. Yeah. And then you're just like, hmm. Okay. Well, you know what? All all hands on deck. Uh, Mary Pat Farrell, actor, cushion on couch. We're all working towards the common goal. Did the um, cushion get a bigger trailer? That's what I need to know. <laughs> I get it. I mean, you do, uh, there is a skill and um, a quality that's not easy about coming in and nailing it for the day. Yeah. Like, and you do have, you, you do a lot of day roles, mm-hmm. which is not easy, right? You come in, n- nobody really gets to know you because yeah. you're only there for a day and you are sort of pushed around just to get the day in a, in a timely ma- manner. Yeah. <clears throat> but to feel like you can accomplish those and then leave and go, no, I feel good about that as a performer and as a cog in this wheel, that's a challenge, I think. I think so. And I think you have to just, like for now, at this point, I would just say you have to let it be what it is. Some days are going to be more fulfilling creatively yeah. than other days. Yeah. Um, I think as improvisers, we have a great advantage in terms of walking into situations like that. Because yes. I think... If you can just walk in, you know, on the tip of your toes, s- suss it out, you, you can get your best work in there. Yeah. Um, but your best days, of course, are when you feel uh, like what you have to offer is valued. You feel valuable. You feel like, uh, you know, they value what you do and, and you're making a contribution. And yeah. Those are the best days. Which is what you feel in your music. I do. Yeah. And even if I sometimes don't, I'm insecure about my value to the audience, which does happen. That insecurity pops in. I love my bandmates so much, yeah. and when I look at the when I look at them on stage, I will, they'll always be telling me with their eyes, like, "Hang in there. Yeah. What you have is valuable," um, and it's amazing. There was a moment in your video. I don't remember the video, but it's with the, your, you, you keep seeing yourselves. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, for The Greatest Age. Yeah, it's such a great song. But there is a moment where one of your bandmates, the taller guy, and you have a look to each yeah. other. And it's all I ever want to see when I see music live. <laughs> I just want to see musicians enjoying what they're creating on stage. Yeah. And there's this, mu- the, it's just a lovely little moment. Aww. Yeah. Um, but just going back, though, when's the last time you had that sense of, like, being valued and being a contributor 
on set or on stage? Um, I would say on stage is harder for me because I haven't, I don't improvise that much anymore. And when I do, it's often with people I haven't improvised much with and it's not as easy to have um, that, those moments on stage. Yeah, the chemistry. Yeah, the chemistry on stage. Um, But I did just have a day on set of the movie um, Beautiful Boy that will be coming out next year sometime. And it was a big family scene. This will be two seconds in the movie. It was a big family scene. We had to just improvise the dialogue, although there was a couple of set lines from the script. We had to just improvise around them so that they could emerge, you know, organically out of it. And that day, I felt like I was able to really make a great contribution to making that happen and that it was... It wasn't just a job anyone could do. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. my skills as an improviser and as a kind of cajoler and um, playing the matriarch of this little family, even though at my own family dinner table, I, I have a tendency maybe to be quite quiet. I knew what my role was uh, on set that day, and it was it was fun. Yeah. It was a very gregarious mom at this table, and I felt like I was digging what I was doing and that they were valuing what I was doing. Yeah. And that was a great feeling. Like, are there any tools for that? Tools. Um, you know, like, I want to be able to have that feeling all the time on set. So I kind of go, what did I do here that day to to make sure I accomplish that goal every time I'm on set? Well, Is there um, a formula? I don't think there's a formula. I just think there's... There's, um... Clearing out what gets in our way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, that's the best that I can do. Well, like if insecurity is getting in your way. For example, I'm on the set today. I have nothing to do. There's one line. <sighs> what am I doing? Right. Like, like, that's not going <laughs> to set oh you God, up for this your. This is heavy for me, and I wasn't on set. Yeah. <laughs> that's not going to set you up to do great on no. that one line. No. And I remember I was doing something for a show called Hello, Ladies. I was I was thrilled to be there because I'd been cast by Allison Jones, who's a great comedy casting director down here. Yeah. And she just called me up and said, uh, without an audition, can you come do this uh, uh, role? I got there. It was tiny. It involved a boob joke. And I was like, ugh, right. must I? Yeah. And I had to walk back and forth a million times in these really high heels. And my feet hurt. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> I called Gavin Crawford. And I was like, ugh. Yeah. Oh, it's terrible. I only yeah. have one line, and I'm just like this blah blah blah. I was complaining to him, and he's like, "Look, your character has a million lines. She's got so much to say, yeah. and they're just going to capture a tiny part of it." That's a great thing to Isn't say. Isn't that so good? And I loved that. Oh, that's such a great thing to say. Because um, you do, you sort of uh, minimalize it to like. Oh, I get to do this. And you're like, no, this is just one little snapshot of her huge story. Yes. And just let that be, let that be true for you. Yeah. Don't let yourself be diminished, especially on a day where you get to work. Yeah. Right. You know? Right. Um, and I just take that to heart. Like, don't let yourself be diminished because I think that's an easier thing can control to control it. I mean, it's easier right? said than done. Yeah. Um, and I don't know the answer to that. <clears throat> I think that's probably a really individual thing, but 
don't yourself, let yourself be discouraged, diminished. How? Like, you know, if, so if you say be confident, well, that's yeah. really impossible to just be confident. You have to find the confidence. I would say if you find yourself diminished and discouraged, ask yourself what kind of thoughts you're thinking. Yeah. And if they're negative, then adjust them. Yeah. It's training, right? Yeah, it's training. Yeah. It's like brain training. And it's not it's not easy. Yeah. And there's real circumstances that, that are real for people where they feel discouraged and diminished and, and sad and in pain. Like I don't mean to minimize any of no, that. Of but I just mean in going about our days uh, to the best of my ability, if I'm having shit times, I ask myself what kind of thoughts I'm thinking, mm-hmm. and then I try to adjust them. Because, you know, whatever. If we, I don't know. I just want to try to be it. happy. Yeah, and yeah. if that means adjusting We're only my here thoughts, for a little bit of time, yeah. right? And your negative thoughts are probably a distortion. So if you're going to distort your thoughts, distort them on the positive side. <laughs> Put the energy over there. Yeah. Where did you learn that? Is that are you, do you meditate? Are you in that? I mean, I think that specifically came from therapy. Yeah. Um, in terms of like, if you're making up shit in your head. Make a positive shit, <laughs> That's you know, right. because why not? Yeah. And, um, and I've just come back to that a, a, a million times Yeah, in my life. That's a muscle for sure. <clears throat> yeah. Um, do you get uh, stressed when you go to stage or set? Um, <clears throat> yes, sometimes I will. Um, yeah, like I'm trying to think of, 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 of what specifically happens. I think I'll just be nervous and mm-hmm. I try to just, it just sounds like I play mind games with myself mm-hmm. all the time, which I do. Which we all do. Yeah. Like, which, you know, you walk into a situation that you're not comfortable and you're like, why am I not comfortable? How can I get more comfortable? Like we play that. Yeah. I don't know if it is a game, but it's training. It, sure. It's training. Yeah. So when you find yourself stressed on set, what do you um, do? I try to remember that the reason why I'm stressed and nervous is because it's important to me. And I, I try love to that. try I to be like, that. that's all right. Yeah. You're nervous because, because this is important to you and that's only good. Yeah. And then in terms of like maybe grounding in the scene or in a, you know, an audition room, Ugh. um, most unnatural <sighs> place in the world. Yeah. Like the thing, I just try to think about, you know, for my scene, what, what I want and that's what I'm going to get in the yeah. audition room, what the character wants in the scene, not. I've got to get the job or I've got to impress the casting directors. Like, uh, no, I I have to warn Marcy that the pond is on fire or whatever it is. (laughs) I loved the pond on fire episode of Marcy. I loved it. Um, You've had amazing, like your relationship with Gavin Crawford. Now, did you meet at Second City? We did. We did meet at Second City in that. um, I love those folks in our life that you go. We're going to be friends forever. You're going to be the person I call up and go, do this role. And they're going to talk me off the ledge. Yeah. He has just been the the best of friends to me. And it's so funny because we have this joke um, from pretty early on in our Second City days. He came up to me. We were in the green room and he said to me, do you think that you're my friend? <laughs> and it was so, it was like so shocking. Yeah. And like, I thought he was saying, are you assuming yeah. to be my friend? Yeah. And that's not what he meant at all. Like he, he was literally just reaching out to me in a 
basically saying like, "Hey, I think that we uh, we're friends." Yeah, and it like, was so like funny. Uh, playground stuff. Like, "Hey, we're friends now." Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he's just been, you know, talking about cheerleaders and oh um, champions. He's he uh, he's just really been there for me, and and you know, to work with him on the Gavin Crawford show. It was, yeah, this is a long time ago now, but it's the most anyone's ever given me to do, and. But you and guys I, had such so great good. chemistry in that show. Yeah. And uh, he's told me the story about how the show came about. But I, I'm sure there was no doubt in his mind when that show started that it was like, oh, yeah, me and Mary Pat. Because the chemistry you have in that show is is <clears throat> the most natural thing in the world, right? Yeah, it really is. And that was just the chemistry that we had. Yeah. And he, you know, he made it he made it into so many funny things. And, and then also I got to play some characters on the show. And yeah. It's like he never doubted me. I, you know, it's really amazing to have a, a friend like that. And oh my gosh. Who doesn't doubt you? I mean, it's maybe so that's... Ama- that's a magical thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you do that for friends. You don't even know. And I'm, I'm sure, like, friends actually do do that for each other. It's not like I think, oh my God, most of my friends doubt me all right. the time. <laughs> Except for Gavin. That, but yeah. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah. just in terms of a work situation like that, it was... It was just such a great adventure. Yeah. That's what it felt like. Yeah. And creatively, you probably had that feeling of, like, being appreciated, being recognized, having the ability to try things. Like, those characters that you played, that wasn't, um, that wasn't stock for you at no, that time, right? No, it wasn't at all. Yeah. It wasn't at all. And, um, you know, what a thrill it is to be given that much responsibility. Yeah. And just, like, handed it. Like, you could do this. Yeah. And then you're like, I guess I can. Yeah. Have you come up against, um, like, the opposite when people are, are, like, trying to push you down? And have you tried, like, what are your, what are your systems to overcome those? Because I think the other, the opposite is more common than having a bunch of people that, like, you can do anything. Yeah. It's more about a bunch of doubting Thomases. Um... Boy, that's a tough question for me. Let me rephrase it. Yeah. Have you ever found yourself having your path challenged and you had to, like, put your elbows up to get through? I feel like my greatest doubting Thomas has been myself. Right. To be honest. Yeah. I don't feel like anyone has really stood in my way. Um... With any, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, have I given my power over to people and, and allowed them to stand in my way? And yeah. I, I don't think I think that instincts I are right, that what you said, because I think we've been talking about that this whole yeah. time, about yourself. Like, how do you get away from yourself so you just let yourself be free to create and be free to be the Mary Pat Farrell that you are? Yeah, I mean, it's just a... I hang on to the idea that it's a journey and, and that I'm, this sounds so corny, but it's, I'm going to say it. I love it already. I'm, I'm just like a, sl- a slowly opening flower right. and that I can only blossom as I do. Yeah. And I, I mean, I literally hang on to ideas like that with, with, um, with my life. Yeah. Um, I moved to LA when I was already uh, past 35, like past the time people said you would have any work at all. Right. And um, 
but no one ever told me you're too old, you're too uh, fat, you're too whatever. I think I did all that work for myself. Right. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Isn't I, that crazy? Yeah. Like, and then I yeah. and then I still but I was like, oh well, I will still find my work. I'll still find my path this, mm-hmm. this way. I still want to keep doing it. I've told myself a million times, you can leave any day you want. Yeah. I've never had a timeline. I've never had to do this by the time I'm this or before this. I've never I'm just like, you let it roll. And if you want to walk away from the table at any time, you can. Yeah. I don't know what I would What else would you do? do. <laughs> but I, I know. But also, what, what else, wouldn't you rather struggle in this career than do something that was safe and not as much fun? I absolutely would. Like, uh, even the worst of days, I'm like, I'm, I'm st- I, get, I still get to hang out with jokers and have laugh. Like, it's a pretty good life. It's an We awesome. just want to do it more. Yeah, we just, exactly. We just want, we just want to do it more. Yeah. We just want to have more opportunities. And, I mean, less... Uh, less stress about it you know yeah. just just being scared I think sometimes that you'll never get to do it again like oops that was my last I'm pretty sure that was my last job right and I don't know what I'll do but now. I bet if we ask any of the top celebrities they have the same feeling same kind of insecurity and I think that's part of our motivation like that that gets you up in the morning going oh I'm gonna go again like this is the audition that could be the thing yeah that's why we we have insurance for flights because that thing might come up that is the thing. Exactly. But, you know, as a lot of people realize and have said, it, it also isn't the answer. Right? Right. Which you also have to remember. <laughs> Which you also have to remember. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have to balance a lot of things. And I think that is one thing I love about it. I think pursuing this career is like a PhD in life. You have to figure your shit out. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll, you will be destroyed. And we've seen it. There's plenty of people that, uh, you know, for various reasons, not just people that left the business. I think I, I consider them winners. They figured out something that was going to make yeah. them happier, and they, and they went off to pursue it. And I think, excellent. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, you know, people that succumb to addictions or, you know, debilitating anxiety. Totally. And this, it, it's tough out here. And... I think I appreciate, in a way, I try to appreciate how tough it is and how significant our survival is. Yes. And our and our um, our thriving, in spite of having work or not having work. I mean, that's aspirational what I just said, but that is what I aspire to 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 thrive in the business. Um. And not have it just swing on what job I'm doing or not yeah. doing. That's, that's I think that's tough, key. It's but, tough, but yeah. I think it's important. Like, was there something when you first started in this business that you went, that's my goal? Like, I know you said you didn't have a lot of, like, you just kind of day to day it. Yeah. But, like, did you ever see, um, like, a, like, a hero of yours? And you're like, oh, I want to be the next X. Or I like their career. Um... I think I've honestly been too scared to even think like that. And that is coming from fear, I would say. Fear of what? Um, I think it's fear that if I set a goal uh, that's too grand, then I will have to, um, and I don't make, and I don't reach that goal, 
then I, I'll I'll be sh- I'll feel ashamed. Right. Something like that. You're not alone with that kind of. Thing. <laughs> You're not like that's a very. So I think that's one reason why I'm not much of a goal setter. I'll just be like, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Um, although I think goals and destinations like are the thing that invite you to the journey. So they've got to be in there. I'm sure they that's a great are. Saying yeah. Uh, but I I'm not, I'm not good at articulating them or even necessarily. F- honestly thinking about them to myself but I'm sure they're driving me right you know and and, and bringing me t- to each day yeah um, I always just wanted to be you know not always but you know but as I was going along I wanted to be an actor mm-hmm. I wanted to be someone with skin in the game right and to say I'm an actor and that's my craft and that's the thing I love to do, and I'm gonna do it as much as I can. And that's turns out to be maybe it's a modest goal in many ways, but it's also a huge goal. Yeah. And I can say it. Yeah. That I'm an actor. Yeah. And that's, that is thrilling to me. Yeah. Yeah. So if you. Like, if I handed you an envelope right now that had, like, the ideal thing in it, what what would that be for you? Like, the- Is it a cookie? Yeah. <laughs> it's a cookie. It's a cookie. I made it myself. It's still warm. Um, wow. So, like, because I'm such a... I'm such a goal-oriented person. I'm like, what's next? What's next? Mm-hmm. And I feel like you're much more living in the moment, which I I try to do, but I think it's challenging. So, so do you have a what's next? Uh, no, I do not have a what's next. But if you were going to hand me an envelope with my like a special surprise in it yeah. that you knew I would love, it would most likely be um, a supporting series regular role on a show that's running. You know, like yeah. that that will have a good run. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, it's hard to say what's a good run these days, but you know, a year, two years, three years. Something like that. Yeah. I I think I'm best suited in a support role. And I, I don't think that's, um, like, looking down on myself in any way. I just think that's where my strength is. Yeah. I think that comes from being in a big family. I'm used to, um, you know, fitting mm-hmm. in somewhere and not necessarily being the person that takes the lead. I think I might find that too stressful. But, you yeah, know, I'd love to be... That would be ideal for me, but I do believe it's possible. Yeah. And maybe that it, so maybe that is a goal of mine, but it's very it is hard for me to say that for yeah. reasons reasons I mentioned before. Yeah. And I also think like, oh, that's everybody's goal, you know. And I don't know why that makes me like. What's wrong with that? So yeah. what if it's everybody's goal? Everyone's goal to make a living at it. Great. Yeah. That's not a bad goal. That's yeah. a wonderful goal for everyone to have. Yeah, and as you said before, like it's you just have to be careful that the goal, like because so often people are like, oh, I've attained my goal. It's mm-hmm. still not everything that I thought it would be. Yeah. So to make sure that we're okay without it, which I feel like you've you're good, like you're a very grounded person in where you are. Right, and I think that's that's just something that um, it comes from improv in many ways, in terms of not having a destination and allowing. <clears throat> allowing yeah. the unfolding to happen mm-hmm. moment by moment and you keep the thing keep certain things in mind you know like 
don't fuck people over, you know, don't yeah. fuck someone over on stage and, and, um, put your attention on the other person. Like if you start to freak out, just put your attention on the other person. Yeah. Um, I just think ultimately it's a, it, it's about the journey anyway, even for people that have the destination solidly in mind. Yeah. It can't be about anything else. And let me say one thing about the destination too. I think we have a thing where we're never satisfied where we are. Yeah. We always want the next thing and we're wondering what the next thing is and how we can jump the tier and how we can get to the next level. And um, I call that, this is something a teacher gave me, um, divine dissatisfaction. Okay. And sometimes it's annoying because you're like, why can't I just be happy yeah. where, where, with what I've got and what I, what I am? And I think it's just part of the creative force. This is me always trying to spin something to a positive. That dissatisfaction is the thing that keeps us going and keeps us reaching and right. keeps us creating. So it's, a, it's kind of a great thing if you let it be. Yeah. Were you always positive? Hmm. I don't think so, no. I think it was a very hard one. I don't think I was always... Negative. I don't. I don't know actually how to answer that question. <laughs> now I just want to go. Like, like, like no. Wait, but, what we were talking before about like, <clears throat> the muscle of staying pot. Like I think that's a muscle. Yeah. Um. That you and I probably exercise a lot because I have the same sort of outlook. But was there ever a time that you went, like there? There's a fork in the road here. I can either choose to be this kind of person or this kind of person. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I have a really positive father who's always was always looking on the bright side of things and I feel terrible about saying this but a fairly negative mother who was often looking at on the right. less positive side of things I have both of them in me yeah you know so strongly and I think my dad had a better time right because he just wanted to and I've definitely cultivated that a like kind of positive mental attitude. I yeah. always come back to it. I'll slip down and and forget to use the tools of staying positive, and then I will invariably pick them up again and mm -hmm. go back to them. So, do you have like blue days? Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Although I have a lot less than I used to. I can unabashedly say. Yeah. I really do. I'm just better at using my tools to stay positive. And it's not that my external circumstances have changed that much. Um, it's just that I'm quicker to remind myself, um, you know, to, to honor my journey and to honor myself and to be happy. Because I don't know what the point of this career would be if it was making me unhappy right. on a daily basis. Do something else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because life is short. Yeah. Um, and, oh yeah, I have certainly struggled with defeat and um, what am I gonna do? And this was so dumb to pursue. And I'm just not one of those people that gets to win. You know, yeah. th there's a all lot that of stuff, dark right? Thoughts. In our yeah. brain, the, all in, all in our there's no room for brains. it. Yeah, yeah. So, what do you do when you're not acting? What's your other than music? Because you seem like do you pick the, the the guitar up every day? No, and that's one reason I'm so grateful that I have this band because yeah. I probably wouldn't play at all if I wasn't 
uh, you know, externally responsible to right. some other people. I'm terrible. Deadlines and external responsibilities are key. Yes, for I'm, sure. That's what motivates me, and um, that's just the reality of MP. I don't know what I would just sit on the couch <laughs> all day. Would you? I don't know. Probably no. not. I mean, <laughs> but that's what I like. I'm a really good. Um, uh, what is the word? <laughs> oh my god, I can't even think of the word. What's the word when you just like wander around your house? Oh, putterer? Yes, putter. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't think it's a rur. I'm uh, yes. You putter yeah. really well. I putter really well. Yeah. I have no problem filling my days um, with this, that, or the other thing. Like what? Like 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 my household stuff. Hiking. I oh, might yeah. like go hiking or walking or household stuff. Endless amounts of paper for some reason that always needs organizing, sure. and um, that's a sign of a um, a creative mind. <laughs> it is though, like <laughs> having making order from chaos. Yeah. So if you're not being creative, it helps so much to go. I'm going to organize the spice drawer, yeah, or whatever, because it gives you it, it's fulfilling. Yeah, I mean, and I don't know why. I must secretly uh, always be creating some chaos around, so then I can sure. just go and make yeah. make order from it. Yeah. I think I just have a self fulfilling little yeah. whirlwind I live in. Um, in life too, in relationships, do you create chaos? No, I don't. I'm very careful not to. Oh. Like in my in my, I'm in a long term relationship right now with my dearly beloved uh, boyfriend, <laughs> and believe me, the last thing that we want to do for each other is create chaos. Right. We really try to uh, create um, a haven, safety, sanctuary. Yeah. Um, and and, and it's not 100%. Forever, right? How many, how long have you a been really long time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, since, um, I mean, it, it, it had a, a um, it's, we met in, 1999 but we never lived in the same uh, city for a really long time and um you know we started seeing each other probably in the next few years just visiting each other Mm -hmm. and um again this is not goal oriented no we never said we were gonna make it work never said we were gonna make the long distance thing work anything like that we just kept um seeing each other yeah then the next time, and then we'd see each other again, and then we'd see, and uh, in a way, it, all these years later, I kind of like that approach. It sounds probably so weird to people, but I like the idea uh, of even on a daily basis deciding to be together. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. Something I like about it. They do that in Sweden. They do like I think it's Sweden. I don't know. Fact check. But uh, a seven-year contract for your marriage, oh, and after seven years, you can either walk away or you can um, renegotiate your contract. <laughs> renegotiate the terms, right? Yeah. But like, I think there's something, and it's worked for you too as well. Like, yeah. Um, I I think if it works for you, who cares? Right. right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And as you said, you've created such an amazing. Like heaven for each other, I think so, and I think it's important to both of us, and and it's just that's something that uh, aligns well with us. Is you know, we're we're both in this crazy fucking business, yeah. and it's so tough. And the last thing we want to do is make our relationship tough for each right? other. Yeah, well, I would like it's tough enough. Yeah, it's tough enough. Yeah, and um, so do you have like 
how? How do you do that? Do you have um, rules? Do you guys have like uh, theories? I what have we had? <laughs> I don't know. We just have um I think a deep and abiding love for each other and a lot of respect. And we know how important space is for each other. Um and we have a good sense of like when someone needs space and when they and when they don't need space. And mm-hmm. that sort of came it's interesting that that came out of a long distance relationship. Um we're not afraid of space and um and we're not afraid of of um of intimacy. Mm-hmm. So it is it, a very interesting dynamic between us. We don't live together, but we live uh in the same building. Right. Um, but that works for you. It really does. Yeah. yeah. Did it? Did you ever live together? We never lived together. Oh. Yeah. I was going to say, like, did you ever find out that it doesn't work that way and you have to try the other way? We did not. You just yeah. knew. We just knew. And I, and um, it just, yeah, it just makes sense for us. And I think also when both people are working uh, from home so much of the time, mm-hmm. unless you could afford, you know, something huge with a, Wings. a West Wing yeah, and an East right? Wing, you know, something like that. Um, yeah. But... Yeah, we both need a lot of space, and and uh, that's it works great. Yeah, yeah, I love that um, that you know as we get older, we kind of learn the things that we're like, this is just the way it is. Yeah, you know, and the more I can just say that about every single thing about me, like like my body image and my creative process, like going, that's just who I am. Yeah, that's how I learn. That's who I am. I think the better off we are. Yeah. It's not easy. It's not easy. It, it sounds easy. easy when you say it, but honestly, is it not just you keep revisiting those yeah. acceptance, letting go? Yeah. Um, that's great. Now, one of the things that I... Okay, two things that we always try to end the podcast discussion with is A, things that are inspiring you these days, whether it's like a book, a movie, a series, music, something that's really jazzing you. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything like that that's in your world? Um, let's see. What's inspiring me? Are you me? reading anything these days? Um, the last thing that I'm reading was not inspiring me, so don't I don't want to even, mention I don't it. want to trash it. Right. Um, but sometimes, like, that also is inspiring when you're like, oh, this is so bad. Like, yeah. I'll see a TV show and I'm like, oh, come on. That yeah. dialogue, like, now I know the dialogue that won't exist in my show that I am doing, you know? I would say... Um, I've been watching Baskets. Have you watched Baskets? Love. I love, love it, it so much. I love it. Martha um, Kelly? Yes. Louis Anderson. Like that Louis whole... Louis Anderson. I just, I think it's so unusual. Yeah. And that's the kind of stuff that really makes me laugh. Like it's dark, weird yeah. comedy. It's not, There's a whole new genre of comedy. Yeah. And that they build, because it breaks my heart, that show. It does. Yeah. It really does. Um, but somehow... They've got t- uh, twins, Zach Garifanakis, is tw- and it works. Like, I don't go, oh, that's some shtick. Right. It really works. They, he authentically plays these two brothers. Yes. And I agree. I think things that, that, are, that, that don't seem like tricks or shtick. Yeah. I'm always going to appreciate yes. them a lot more. Yeah. Um, so I would say that that's, that's inspiring. And you know what? Maybe that show isn't a laugh a minute, but it's... It's been created by comedians, so I consider it, you know, yeah. comedy. And it has comedians on it, and I, I consider it comedy. I do, too. And I also think that's the um, magic of comedy, that comedians walk the line of tragedy and comedy, mm-hmm. and they have both accessible to them yes, all the time. I 
Totally agree. Yeah. Uh, finally, is uh, like nuggets of advice for this industry. Nuggets of advice. Um, I mean, I think it's everything that we've talked about in yeah. terms of... This has been a very, um, like, quote-heavy discussion, like, in a, in a positive way. Like, there's a lot of stuff that I'm like, that's a great quote. There's a lot of good things that I feel will really motivate and, and challenge people. But um, if you can boil it down, if there's anything we've missed. I mean, I just... It sounds corny to say there's only one you, but there's only one you. And that's what you have to offer. Love that. Um, and that's not easy. Like everything else we've said, it's yeah. not easy, but it, the quicker you can get on board with that, the better. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You're fantastic. I use the word delight too much, but you are totally a delight. Somebody Thank said I should you. change it to splendorous. I don't hmm. think I'm on that page yet, but I really yeah. enjoyed speaking with you. Me too. Me Thanks, too. Mary Pat. Thank you. And that was Mary Pat Farrell. I so enjoyed speaking with her. And uh, she was one of the first people to say yes when I was in Los Angeles. And that also makes a difference. Having people say yes, again, it's sort of like the anti-Mari thing. Having faith in someone, having confidence, trusting someone makes them have confidence in themselves. So spread that confidence. Goodness. Tell somebody that they can do something. Believe in them. And just watch them shine. It's gonna. It's pretty magical. So go follow her on Twitter at Mary Pat Farrell. She's amazing. Find out what she's doing in her music world and her acting world. And while you're there, give us a like, a share, um, a follow, a subscribe. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Firecracker Department D E P T. And then of course on Facebook. And there's our website. Let me know what you think about the latest T-shirts that are coming out. Also, don't forget the last Sunday of every month. What are we going to do? We're going to do some Facebook Live talking. I wonder who my guest is going to be. Please join me for that with your thoughts of inspiration, your thoughts of who's a firecracker in your life and what you're doing that's exciting. And we'll have a great discussion about it. It's always interesting. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. And good morning. My voice is almost warmed up now. Good morning, everybody. (sighs) No, not even quite. Thanks for listening. See you next time on the Firecracker Department.